Like, again, I'd be very careful of you now, because... I'm not any- going to put anything incriminating into the cold open. I can't trust you anymore. Yes. Anything, a- anytime the hot mic's going, it's an opportunity. <laughs> Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the Survivor podcast that is too much weight for its own bamboo pole. I'm your host, Stephen Labine, with, of course, my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared, how you doing? I'm good, Stephen. TikTok doesn't know who I am. That's probably for the best. Okay, let me elaborate. Sure. Or not. Just leave it at that. <laughs> um, so, everyone knows that TikTok's algorithm is really aggressive and gets hyper-specific, right? Okay. I have declined it any information about myself whatsoever. As you should. I mean, I'm sure it is in my phone and finding things it shouldn't, but every option I have to help it identify me is, no, is like turned off. I don't let it sync my contacts. I only send and share TikToks through like, you know, sharing in a text message. I'm sure that it's finding more, but... I'm waiting for this. The confusing thing is, I have ended up on lesbian TikTok. <laughs> Uh, okay. And the weirder thing is, it didn't happen overnight. How how do you know you're on lesbian TikTok? Okay. <laughs> so many of... This would be like one in every like 50 to start. This was like two months ago. Mm-hmm. And it'd be like... You know, the, it'd have, have you know, the hashtags at the bottom. One would be WLW, women loving women. And a lot of them were like funny dating stories, which I a lot of my are my a lot of my content on TikTok anyway because I love the Schadenfreude of those stories. They are always hilarious, <laughs> okay. great content. Um, now it's gotten very specific where I now understand the in jokes of the lesbian community, <laughs> like jokes about like like you know second date is going to the U-Haul store because like you're already going to move in together. And I'm I don't know how I got here. <laughs> I, I now you, also you, ended up into like lesbian marriage TikTok where I'm getting oh, like, okay. l- like marriage advice aimed like by lesbian <laughs> women for lesbian women. <laughs> so do you, I know you don't, you try not to give it as much information as possible. But do you engage with these posts? Do you comment? Do you like? I've, I've commented on a few posts. I do like things. Okay. Um, and you know, it's also keeping track of like how much you're watching. And I, I, mean, I guess I find, th- like, a lot of them are entertaining and fun, but I'm not engaging with them more than any of my other posts on my feed, as far as I can tell. Sure. <laughs> it, I, it's weird because I don't, I, I'm like, I, I just, I almost feel like an intruder. Like, I'm like, <laughs> why am I here? I I'm mean, not supposed to be here. Yeah, where, I, I took a wrong turn into Albuquerque. Yeah. Well, I mean, good for you. You're, you're uh, broadening your horizons. It also aggressively slingshots back and forth. It'll be like, here's, you know, tips for, you know, lesbians and long-term marriages or commitments. And then yanks it all the way over to, like, fo- fantasy football draft pick busts. I was real concerned with how you, you prephrased that. Foot, fa- fantasy football. I was like, oh, Jared. <laughs> the fantasy, yeah, no, fantasy feet. That's what I'm... Fantasy feet. Please do not send me pictures of your feet. I, well, okay, now that you've said it on the internet. Damn it. Well, you monitored the inbox, so have fun with that. Shit. All right, well, don't. But <laughs> if you do, I'm the one monitoring it, so I'm not going to enjoy it. Uh, well, I mean, one of the guidelines, one of the Ten Commandments of the Turning Back Time podcast is making Steven suffer. Sure. 
Do we have to write the Ten Commandments yes. of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast? Number one is treat BB as yourself. <laughs> treat thyself as you would treat BB. Other way around. Sure. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll think about that. We'll come back to that. If you have things that you think should be included in the Survivor Turning Back Time Ten Commandments, uh, send them to us at SurvivorTBT at gmail.com or at Twitter survivor tbt and just uh send pictures of your feet to at jared sheldon eight on instagram i'm gonna send them all to you too then uh, we're suffering together steven so be it bumper <laughs>
on your legs mm. at the bottom of your short shorts. That's that's what I'm imagining here. Like so, like a kind of uh, my life as a teenage robot sort of look. That's a deep pull. That's a that's a that is a deep pull. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but I feel like that goes down to her ankles. You're, I think you're right. I'm gonna pull up a picture. Okay, yeah, I mean, the best bits uh, on a audio medium are always visual. We always end up here. How do we always end up here? It's just the way the world works. There you go. No, that's kind of just a, a skirt. XJ9, for those of you who do not know what we're talking about and wanna do like a quick Google search, XJ9 from My Life as a Teenage Robot. Also definitely had a- Oh, that's a porn. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh... <laughs> wow. Didn't take very long. You're such a dad. You're like, oh, that's a porn. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't like, there are things where you, where you think, oh, I need to be aware of what may pop up in this Google search. That was not one that I thought I was going to have to worry about. I was literally transitioning into the sentence that like she was a childhood crush of mine. I was like seven or eight or whatever when it came out, maybe like nine. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that like totally spies. Uh, okay. Yeah. I didn't have a Cartoon Network growing up, so totally spies was not part of my... That's why you're more well-adjusted than I am <laughs> between those shows. Nickel, or I think Teenage Robot was on Nickelodeon. Yes. But um, I, rem back, I like, remember Teenage Robot. Ed, Ed and Eddie and Courage the Cowardly Dog. It's why you're more well-adjusted than I am. <laughs> Only that, for sure. I, yeah, I, we're still off topic, and I'm going to keep going here. Uh, I got it. It came to my, my lowly rural area when I was going into high school. So, like, they're mm. just sunsetting... Codename Kids Next Door. Great show. It was a great show. And I was a little sad that that was going as soon as I started. And that was still five years after this episode airs. Yeah. To bring it back around. Bring it back around. Yeah. I did, however, get all of Avatar, The Last Airbender. So who's winning here? Confession. Uh-oh. I've never seen the entirety of Avatar. I've seen most of it. But I watched it when I was growing up, and it would just kind of pop on at random times, so I caught all the episodes not in order. Maybe I have seen every episode, but I definitely have not seen every episode in order. Jared, this is the most upset I've ever seen you. It's a great show. It is a, a children's show, so going back and watching it will not have the same effect as watching it when you were younger, but it is a good show. So we're starting the episode, Trust No One, episode three. three of Australian Outback. Trust no one. We start immediately. Scoopin is still pushing for food. Are we gonna start every single episode this season with Scoopin giving his to make a murderer monologue? Oh, well, we keep... <laughs> Judging from what we got from the... on the next episode of Survivor, yes. Yeah, probably. Absolutely. Yeah, Scoopin has a fish, so clearly is still doing well catching fish. Um, and he could stop there. Yeah, that's all we needed. Yep. But Scoopin cannot stop there. Scoopin wants to... That's part of his problem. Scoopin wants to catch a pig. He's going to hunt down a pig. They have pointed out very clearly that they have not seen a single pig since being here. They have no reason to believe that a pig is in the area. But yeah. Scoopin says he's going to do it. Yeah, and um, here's the thing about pigs mm -hmm. as opposed to fish. Uh-huh. They fight back. Oh, yeah, very clearly. And... Depending on the size of that pig, it will hurt you. Yeah. I'm, uh, it's, this is insane to me. He is taking a knife 
and strapping it around a stick, but like tying it around. First mm-hmm. of all, he would be better off just sharpening a stick because you are you do not have the structural integrity. That knife is not going to do shit. I mean, maybe we're going to see it do shit, and I'm going to eat my words. Mm-hmm. But you like you're relying on the tensile strength of the yarn to or not yarn the rope to hold it to the stick. Whereas you could have the weight of the entire stick, like push in and you could even like dig it into the ground and like let the boar charge you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, we don't know the size of these pigs and neither do they because they've never seen them. Correct. I, I'm going to give him a little credit. The way he was tying it did seem pretty sturdy. Like it, it did seem like a pretty solid spear like thing that you could make on your own. It is not a weapon and could absolutely just like snap off in whatever you decide to stab. But also, it's really not giving Scoopin a, a good look. No, it makes him look like a psychopath, which he is. And like, I made a lot of jokes in the first season at Greg's expense, and I stand by all of them. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm i in a dark alley. I'd rather Greg be there on the other side of that alley than Scoopin. <laughs> Greg will confuse and maybe rob you. Yes. Scoopin will wear your skin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, everyone is hoping that he fails. Yeah. In in the craziest way, they want him to lose the, to break the spear, they want him to lose the knife, to g- have an excuse to vote him off. Which they could just vote him off then, if they, everyone feels that way. Yeah. I think they're they're playing that chicken game. Nobody wants to say it, but everyone is thinking it. No one wants to point, no one wants to vote off the god emperor of their tribe. Yeah. <laughs> self-anointed or sorry chosen by god leader of the tribe he's good tv yeah he is good tv (laughs) on the flip side tina is surprised at how difficult this is we're we are on day seven this is yeah day seven and we're surprised that this is difficult what did she think it was going to be like? I mean, I, I can give her the benefit of the doubt that maybe she just lacks the imagination. Not that she thought it was going to be easy, but, like, actually being in it just is harder than she had imagined. Yeah. But, like, what—I I always wonder when people say that. I'm like, what did, what did you expect? <laughs> I, again, I've seen so many times when people say this, so if I were to ever go on the show—cast me, Survivor—I would— Never say that to the camera because I know that it is absolutely difficult. It takes a toll on just about every single person's body and it is not good for you minus the money. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you have some spiritual or personal growth there, but no, it's not, it's not good for your, for your body. This, your corporeal form does not enjoy this experience. No, but also from this, this conversation with Tina, one of my favorite ways to say a snack food, Doritos. <laughs> Let me get them Doritos. You ever had Doritos? <laughs> I love me some Doritos. But Tina's craving snack foods and very clearly says Doritos. And I had to stop and really like think about all my life choices at that moment. <laughs> I like Tina. I'm glad we got a little more of her this episode because so far we just always seen her do is fail at a challenge and except for, and look like a Karen. Um, yeah. and that's pretty much it, but <laughs> she has some good moments in this episode. Tina, come get some dinner. 
I forgot to say one thing about Scoopin. With his spear reminds me of Sean with the mega pole. So Scoopin is just Sean if Sean was a serial killer. So oh my god. I don't I don't even want to think about that. And a child predator. But yeah. Yeah. Mm, what an image. Oh man. <laughs> to the water bearer challenge. To the water bearing challenge! This challenge is not well explained. No. I this I really liked the outline of this challenge and mm -hmm. this is my favorite challenge so far mm -hmm. in seasons one or two it has everything you're looking for it has you know i like that they have this balance beam to get the water over there so you have a secondary challenge that allows the other you know if you're behind you have a chance of coming back if they make a mistake sure that's nice and i i, I it was okay it was explained okay like basically you're putting buckets on the other tribe members shoulders mm -hmm. Very poorly edited. Yes. Absolutely. I did have to go back and like, oh, okay, wait. So what's the win mechanic to this? And I had to go back and it wasn't very well explained. I got the idea because I am a smart human, but like, it's not the clearest thing to say, okay, wait, everyone's running these buckets down and putting them on this one person. So is it just on the one person and then they fall and that's it or whenever they give up that's it yes that is the answer yeah and you have one member on the tribe so the two people who are holding the buckets are the serial killer and colby and they actually have a, a you know colby's pretty nervous going into this yeah um he's like you know they if they they get a hint that's going to be you know one person that needs to be physically strong and they're right um with the tree mail and Colby's like, you know, they say my stock's not going to fall if we don't win, but I feel like it's gonna. Yeah. And you have someone on your tribe. So uh, Michael has someone on his tribe that's putting the buckets on. Yeah. And that way the other tribe isn't just, and uh, Colby, same thing. So that way the other tribe can't walk up with their buckets and like put them all on the left side and you just like fall off. Yeah, that was weird. I feel like there needed to be a better way to do that specific yeah. part where, I mean, it was, it was all balanced, but I think... They had to like turn toward the platform because they were off on their own little platform. Mm -hmm. So they had to turn and get buckets put there and they had to turn the other way to get more buckets. Meanwhile, everyone else is running down a series of balance beams. Which looked pretty difficult. It did look pretty difficult. And they, they also had to balance their water buckets on bamboo poles. Mm -hmm. Seemed unnecessary, but they did it. It's fine. It caused people to fall, so yep. I think that's it's solid. People struggled with that. People had a hard time getting all the way down every single time. I think this probably took a while, because we keep seeing jump... Like, it would do a cut, and then there'd be, like, 12 more buckets on each of them, and you're like, whoa, what did I miss? It did, because they maxed out the buckets. So, clearly, they did not expect that this was going to go this long, that uh, eventually someone would get tired and not be able to physically hold all of these buckets. Boy, were they wrong. In a modern day Survivor, this challenge, if it, I don't know if it ever comes back. If it doesn't, it should. It's a good challenge. Although we've talked about how they like to move team challenges away from focusing on one individual and like separating one individual from the tribe. Um, but you would need something, like probably the buckets would need to be bigger. Mm -hmm. So that way we would see the people who are going across the balance beam would be more impactful and we get to see the whole race rather than 
oh, oh, now there's 20 of them on there. Okay. Yeah. There was eight last time we cut over there. <laughs> but it was, I really liked the challenge. I really liked the, the, the way the challenge played out. I thought it was really interesting. It is an interesting challenge. They, they clearly did not expect this to go this long because when they filled all the buckets, Jeff says that they are holding approximately 400 pounds each. Yep. That is probably not true with how water was sloshing around and people may not have filled the buckets totally full. But still, that's a lot of weight for them to be standing up on. And because of that, they were only holding one bamboo pole. It was approximately, what? Uh, six, seven feet long? Yeah. It, it was pretty long. Scoopin's pole snaps over his neck. Which, it does look like he's about to fall before that happens. It like, does. it snaps because he's, like, adjusting and trying to stay uh-huh. up there. Um, and I think bounces a little bit, but... But still. Yeah. That's a lot of weight if it's snapping those poles. <laughs> yeah, those things are sturdy. Yeah. So I feel like this is one of those moments where Survivor has to do a quick scramble. Uh, uh... What do we do? Oh, you can hear it in Jeff's voice. <laughs> He's like, nope, nope, challenge isn't over. We gotta, uh, we gotta pivot here. And I was like, oh, he, they didn't, they have no idea what they're doing for this no. time, with this, uh, for this tiebreaker, for this runoff. No, because Colby sees that the pole snaps and immediately, like, falls into the water thinking he won. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a producer scramble. Okay, let's figure this out. What do we need to do? Ah, uh, we're doing a five-minute time trial. And yet, the runoff was more like a modern Survivor challenge than the first part of the challenge. It was, but it was also worse editing. Yeah. I had a really hard time figuring out who was leading, who was doing well. Essentially, Jeff had to tell me. Which is the first time we've heard... So, uh, necessity is the what's the what's the phrase necessity is the birth of innovation or something like that sure um i don't know the first time we've heard jeff talk during a challenge and announce what's going on because he had to because people couldn't keep up they needed to know what their place was during this runoff Mm -hmm. and i hope this is the spark that gets him to start announcing challenges more but i've hoped that a couple of times ah yes and it has not come to fruition it comes in and out and until they figure this out for real it's gonna be like this it's gonna be and again i want to say he gets better at these announcements or just game in general post merge once he gets to know these people sure it's like he's i i assume he has to do like flashcards for himself this is what i would do if i was hosting i'd like get flashcards with their faces and be like okay this is this person this is this person so you can call them out and be engaging with them immediately. Yeah, he is He is also part of casting, so he's probably had some exposure before yeah. this. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's studying, you know, <laughs> between between events and all of that. Yeah, so honestly, the, the five-minute runoff is pretty... It's not that interesting. Ogakor wins by either two buckets or four buckets. Unclear. It's really hard to tell. Yeah, but they count them... Ogakor wins. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. We're seeing little elements added to each challenge still, more mm-hmm. so than the first season. Um, Jeff is inviting them into the challenge area, being like, all right, guys, come on in. We didn't see that in the first season. Correct. Um, and he's explaining it better than he was. There's still, like you said, there's, you had to go back and re- rewatch the introduction because it's a little weird. 
but it's still better explained than challenges in the first season. Yes. Which is, you know, it's, it, I do really enjoy seeing the evolution of that, even though I'm sometimes like, Jeff, just talk already, please. <laughs> We're getting there. It's, it's so close. You're so close, Jeff. So they win a fishing kit. Ogakor wins a fishing kit, which was desperately needed by them. Yeah. They were the team that said, there's no fish in these waters. We can't, they, we can't do it. Uh, Keith and Kel both said that there's no fish. Yep. So they take this fishing kit back to camp and immediately catch fish. <laughs> it was great. Jerry, Colby, they're, they're, they don't even show them like going out. It's just boom. Hey, we're back with fish. We got, we got fish. Yep. Shows them, right? And Jerry's so happy. Jerry's so happy. Um, I have a confession to make. Make a confession. Just, well, maybe not confession. I have a bias to announce. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, just because, like, I, like I, I was thinking about, like, when I was watching this episode, how much you said that Jerry is not liked as much. And how I also really wasn't annoyed by Kimmy. And, uh, like, younger charismatic women on these shows mm -hmm. i tend to i tend to give a lot more benefit of the doubt than other players um and i think that's important to point out my own bias because i'm like oh that's that's fun like they're you know um or really i guess young charismatic people because even like colby i started really growing on me this episode and i started ignoring some of his <laughs> you know stupid things he'd do or say which weren't many but could possibly come up yeah I think, narrative-wise, the show is driving you to think that Kimmy is annoying. I don't feel like it's as hard trying to drive public opinion that Jerry is grating, or Jerry is like a fire starter. Yeah. It could be. It could absolutely be, and I'm, I'm just misreading it. I don't mind Kimmy. I think... Any dropping anyone into a new situation where you're trying to be relatable and you're trying to like get along with these new people, there's always going to be someone super awkward and there's always going to be one who's trying too hard. It takes a lot to annoy me with positive energy. So, you know, someone that's out there that's being too friendly, too loud, too bubbly, especially on TV when we're seeing it for an hour versus living with it for 24 hours. Yeah. I have a harder time being annoyed by that as opposed to somebody who's just like Keith, <laughs> who's grumpy and saying nothing's ever going to work and being a curmudgeon. Yeah. Speaking of, Keith is lamenting as they're bringing in the fish that, oh, so now I bet they expect me to, to clean this fish and to cook this fish, huh? Yeah, that's your whole thing. Yeah, you're a that's your job. Yeah, you're, you're a, a chef. chef. <laughs> Please. But it, it the, it's really interesting that... The read isn't of of everyone else who's watching him do this. The read isn't, oh, thank you, Keith. It's so cool that you're doing this for us. It's so helpful to have a chef. It's, all right, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to see what he does so I can vote him off. Yeah. Almost every single person is watching this and trying to learn how to do it. Not because they are curious that they want to help the tribe, because they want to get rid of Keith. Which I don't think Keith picks up on. No. He's like happily leading this master class, and Colby's the one who tells us that. He's like, man, he's over there teaching them how to do this, and that is stupid. And I was like, oh. All right, Colby. <laughs> oh. oh. You came to play. All right. That was the moment where I was like, okay, cool. I like, I like Colby. Yeah. I, I also... We'll probably touch on this more and more this season, the way that the environment impacts the game. 
this season is probably, you know, the Outback's probably a little too daunting on them, but it's nice to see their, their calculations where they're like, oh, we need this person for camp life. Mm -hmm. It's not something you see anymore. Fiji is not as brutal and they don't have as much to, you know, it's, it's, they are not given rice anymore, I guess. Um, but the jobs aren't as physically demanding, it seems, as in, uh, as in previous seasons, like this season, where they actually have to weigh, oh, this person's a chef. Okay, mm -hmm. this, you know, we might need to keep them around for this for a little while. Or this person's really good at going out and getting firewood, and it's, that's really labor-intensive and all of that. Yeah. It's a cool element to, of strategy to the game. It is. And that's the part of the Outwit, Outlast, Outplay mantra that is gone. Like they, You're absolutely right. They don't value survival skills anymore. It's Once that shelter is built, that's completely out the window. Yep. It really doesn't matter. Whether that be, I don't know, maybe they get more from rewards than they used to, or... They, yeah, that's true. They do. Uh, I don't know. People just don't seem to be valuing that and relying on that to keep this person around. You have to be personable. You have to be able to go with the flow. Physical strength is still an element, but it's also less than what it used to be. Yeah. Challenge strength. Because challenges aren't only physical anymore. Yeah. Um, which I would argue is good. It is but, good. 100% good. But I do miss... Now watching, because I'm watching 43 at the same time as we're watching 2, I, I kind of miss that evaluation of like, ah, we hate this guy, but he can cook real good. Oh, he catches a stingrays and we can eat those. <laughs> okay, that was probably too far on that. <laughs> Everyone else on that season was helpless. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, all that to say, they are they're watching Keith to pick up his skills so that they no longer need him. Yeah. Uh, you said Colby, and I also think Mitchell. Mitchell was in that conversation too, of like, yeah, I'm gonna learn this, so I don't have to. I don't have to listen to this man anymore. <laughs> Flip side, Kucha, Kimmy is putting in the work. Yeah, and I wrote that with a W E R K, as you should. Put, putting in work. Whack, 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 whack. <laughs> Kimmy feels like an easy target right now, and feels very vulnerable. So Kimmy is getting all the water, boiling the water, pretty much anything that the tribe needs, Kimmy is doing. And this is an extension of what I just talked about. Somebody says, I think it's Nick, but I could be wrong about that. Maybe it's Varner. Uh, it says everything that Kimmy does, someone else can do. It's Alicia. It's Alicia. You're yeah. right. Okay. Because I, I did write that down, that she's replaceable. Yeah. And Alicia is just going to let her do it then. Yeah. Which is, it's... it. Makes you realize that everyone on this tribe, if you're on Kucha, if your name isn't Nick, um, has jobs, which we'll get to. Um, <laughs> and when you vote somebody off, someone has to take their jobs. Yeah. That's another thing to consider when you're voting for somebody. Yeah. So they, they're really putting Kimmy as the target, but also they're talking about Kentucky Joe, which I, I did have to... I was a little confused because, again, his name is Roger, but... Wait, is, is Joe a nickname for Roger no. in some places? That'd be Joseph. There, no, I... Sure. It probably just... Kentucky Roger doesn't roll off the tongue as well. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's... But they continue to refer to him as Kentucky Joe. They've now put it when they show his name and his job and all of that. It's in parentheses next to his... Or in uh, quotation marks next is it to really? his name. Mm -hmm. I love that. I didn't catch that. That's funny. All right, well, 
Kentucky Joe, also a little weak, and people are concerned that he is going to bring down the tribe strength. Yeah. I think that if they had to vote, if, uh, you know, Ogakor is the one who ends up having to vote, but if Kucha had had to vote, it probably would have been Roger. I guarantee it would have been Kentucky Joe. Yeah. So, well, I guess it could have been Kimmy. That, that's kind of what I was trying to get in that segment is it Kimmy or Kimmy, it's Kimmy or Roger are yeah. looking like they're on the chopping block. Elizabeth says she will not vote for Kentucky Joe. I, I appreciate that. I Okay, so we're going to probably go through all of the dynamics that they that they expound upon in the next segment, right? No, go ahead. Talk okay. about it. Uh, I really like their, like, you know, grandfather, granddaughter type relationship. It's it's really wholesome and it's really cute. It's super sweet. It was to the point where they're kind of standing there and you're like, you're Kentucky Joe. I, I'm going to continue referring to him as Kentucky Joe because yes. it's fun and it rolls off the tongue. Kentucky Joe kind of gives the old back pat to Elizabeth and it's like, your parents would be so proud. Uh, uh, you're doing so well out here, and I, I really, like, I'm really proud of you, and your family should be proud. And he finds like a little heart shaped rock, and like yeah. gives it to her, and he's like, you know, give it to your boyfriend when you get home. And that was sweet. It's all just, it's all really cute. From what we see, I hope it's really cute. Yeah, I <laughs> and think, not creepy. No, I think like you, you look at that and the heart shaped rock, and if like an older person is giving that to a younger person, you may be like, okay, that's a little creepy, but it very clearly shows him on tape saying, give this to your boyfriend when you get home. And, and you're like, oh. And we've seen like 10 minutes of their relationship. They've been there for seven days. Yeah, like, correct. He's, she's probably talked about her boyfriend. It's probably, it's not like he's like some stranger walking up to him being like, you got a boyfriend to give this rock to there, little lady? Hey, whoa, <laughs> hey. I'm walking here. <laughs> And speaking of uh, Kucha dynamics, Varner and Alicia are thinking Final Four. Mm-hmm. They're thinking that they might run the table, but they're also thinking that they need to get rid of Elizabeth because Elizabeth could be a problem. They, they, you know, she's very... We don't see a lot of her except for this interaction with Kentucky Joe, but she's very nice and very bubbly and very sweet. And very likable. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, it is a problem in Survivor. <laughs> Um, I think it becomes less of a problem in newer Survivor because you actually have to be, you also have to have a resume. Yeah. But they're, we're in season two and they are worried that the the most likable person could just win. As they should be. As That's they should be. That's 100% a problem in early Survivor. Yeah. I really, I like this pairing. This is my- Varner and Alicia? Varner and Alicia. Okay, tell me more. Well, I just think- Varner, I, I talked about it last episode. He's my way too early winner pick. Mm-hmm. He's very sneaky. He's not putting like the fact that him and Alicia can you know go off and they're both like acting when they're around camp. They're yeah. like foraging and like doing it, but also like doing it for show. And then when they're off alone, they're talking strategy. The fact that the two of them can do that under the radar is really impressive. It's really under the radar, and nobody is really catching on to this except for Deb in the first episode because Varner was sick. Sure. Nobody has brought up Varner at all. Nope. Brilliant. Brilliant. Good on you. Good on you, Varner. Yep. Um, and then some other pairings we get. Uh, Jerry and Mitchell. Um, Colby. Well, yes. But first, Jerry and Mitchell. Uh, we see, not as romantic, but we see oh, them okay. like forming an alliance. Okay. Um, not They don't call it an alliance, but they're, they're talking strategy. And then we get to the... It's very brief. And then we get to the Jerry and Colby romance slash alliance. Yeah, it's it's really... This section is trying to pair off people. So yeah. they do the 
the Kucha, and then they flip over to Ogakor. Jerry and Colby are, are flirting. They're they're in the river. They're they're talking about cookies, and then it shows Jerry massaging Colby at night. They're very clearly trying to hint at a showman's here. And this is where I I think I want to retract that I think Jerry. Well, I I no maybe Jerry could be the winner of this season, but. And no one gives her the benefit of the doubt. Mm. They're all like, oh, yeah, maybe she thinks he's cute too, but she's using him. She's she's manipulating him for, you know, an alliance. And she kind of hints at that, where she's like, oh, no, he's very cute. I like him, but she's like, I would vote him off. Other than some very rare exceptions, Showmance is the kiss of death. A hundred percent, it's the kiss of death. Well, it's the most public, like, yeah. two you can have. You putting a target on your back. And, again, not always the case. It, I, I think an early survivor, it's definitely not viewed as a, oh, strategy-wise, they can vote together every single time. We need to get rid of them. But, yes, I'm running through the showmances in my head. And, uh, yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> But we kind of get into... Well, we'll talk about one more pairing first, actually. Okay. Marilyn and Tina. Yeah. They, they're hitting it off. They're hanging out. Marilyn is kind of just laying in the riverbank. Yeah. Right right where the water is, but laying in the sand. It's like a dugout hole for your body. Your head's lying down. She's the Greek oracle that people come to for visions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, like, yeah, absolutely. You're... Take, take advantage of your time here. If and this is, I mean, we don't talk about it this season, but there's probably hours during the day where they work and hours where they don't because you don't want to work when the sun's at its highest and mm-hmm. burn more energy and all of that. So yeah. this is probably a relaxing time. I'm sure she's not sitting in that river the whole time. Yeah. It seems like she's a hard worker. But yeah, Tina's, Tina and her have like a powwow and they, they're, they're also, I, like, they're also very cute. It lasts less than an episode, <laughs> but they're very cute. <laughs> They, yeah, and they do kind of touch on it this episode, is that you you need to be conserving your energy yeah. because you never know what the challenge is going to be, and especially in these early seasons, it's more than likely a physical challenge, so you got to be ready. And there's nothing like a hidden immunity idol to make people go and wander off. It's beautiful. <laughs> it doesn't exist yet, but it's beautiful. Yeah. And then there's an alliance of four that is kind of... The cameras try to hide from us a little bit that... But pops up. I mentioned Jerry and Mitchell, mm-hmm. and then Jerry and Colby, mm-hmm. um, and then you throw Amber, who I don't even. I, who is Amber? Does, <laughs> who is Amber? She's had one confessional in like three episodes, yeah. and it was literally just like reinforcing something someone else said. Yeah. Who Who are you? Does she? Uh, she's the winner because we never see her. She's just, <laughs> I'm kidding. But the it seems like the four of them have now reenacted the doggy alliance of season one. A little bit. Like, I, I'm i interested to see how much they show, but that's, they very clearly have the makings out to be like, all right, we're going to run this table and nobody's going to be able to stop us. And it's under the radar. Mm-hmm. And they have the numbers that, now I have more faith in, um, in these cast members to try to break it up or try, or like people in the alliance to be willing to stray and, you know, maybe backstab somebody or, or get someone in their own alliance out at some point in the season than I did last season with the Toggy Four. You know, I could see a world where Tina and Keith don't just take it lying down. They try to, you know, pick off a 
Colby or something like that and go after, you know, go after someone else or, or whatever that, you know, whichever one they try to pick off. Sure. And I could see it actually working as opposed to what we watched happen in season one over and over and over again, which was they kind of try, but not really. And Kelly kind of waffles and then we don't talk about votes and then the Alliance votes another person off. Sure. I want to put you on blast a little bit. Uh, what, what was those four that you said? Mitchell, Colby, Amber, and Jerry. Sorry, not put you on blast. I want to uh, just have you on record for for that, just so everyone knows the four that he said. Okay. I do, I don't. I'm not going to say any more than that. Okay. I just think I want you to say that, and I'm I'm going to talk about that later. Okay. And I'm not saying it's a like it's a strong alliance. Oh no, that's no. Gonna go the whole season. And I'm not saying you're right or wrong. Okay. I just want you to be on record for that one. Yeah, and that night is a rough, rainy night. Mm-hmm. It is awful. Everyone is exhausted. They're tired. Nobody slept. And physically, they're, they're beat. Mitchell is weak. Yeah, that he he got the crap beat out of him that yeah, night. I don't know what... I, I don't do super well like if I don't sleep. But I'm usually better than that. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe he hadn't slept for a couple of nights, like maybe insomnia the night before, and then rain this night or something. He looks, everyone else is in rough shape. He looks like he is actively dying. I do find it weird that this seems one of the few seasons where they don't have any lift off the ground. Like, they're just straight up sleeping on sand. Yeah. I don't know, like, yes, sand is comfortable and you can mold it to your body, but... I feel like you would have things crawling on you more often or like you're easier to get wet because it will come up from the ground. I don't know. I I just find that strange that there's no barrier between them and the sand. Yeah, they definitely have the materials to do it. Yeah. I guess, well, I guess they don't have like an axe or anything, but we've seen really big logs, so there's no reason why they couldn't build something to get themselves off the ground. They have to have, like, a machete or something, right? No. Remember, because they say... That's uh, a survivor staple. Not yet. Uh, uh Michael talks... When, when Michael's building his spear, they say that's the only knife we have, implying... I mean, I know they say knife, but it sounds like it's the only blade they have. Yeah, you're kind of right on that one. All right. Anything else you want before the immunity challenge? Oh, we didn't talk about uh, Nick just lazing around camp. I didn't write anything about this, so go okay. ahead and talk to me. So, first of all, Nick Mitt is a hell of an interior decorator. Those, or just, dec- I guess none of it's interior. Uh, ex- <laughs> exterior decorator? Really beautiful kitchen. I was like, oh wow, this looks like a home in the gardens magazine. Like, something you'd like decorate your garden with. And then proceeds to do nothing around camp. And it's a bit of a, a dramatic point to the point that uh, Varner says, like, yeah, like, we need him for the physical challenges now, but once we're merged... He doesn't say merge, but implies merge. He's the first to go. You gone. Yeah, if we have to get rid of one of our own, he's the first to go. Mm -hmm. We get to immunity challenge. It's an obstacle course, but not just an obstacle course. You're tied together, baby. So they tie every single person together, and they have to get themselves over some walls, under some barriers, cross a river... Pretty weak obstacle course, except for the fact that they're tied together. Yeah, I I thought that too, but they're all gassed by the end. Uh-huh. Oh, so no. it must have been difficult. It's 
what it lacks in difficulty, it gains in its sheer length. Yeah. Like these people are going very far and dragging each other, dragging their weak links across this finish line. It probably would have been better if it was more of a, like more condensed in length mm -hmm. and, you know, like you were saying, like bigger obstacles, like maybe you have to like climb over something a little higher or, yeah. you know, weave through stuff or whatever, but not necessarily build the challenge taller, not necessarily wider. This is a challenge designed to accentuate your weak link. This yeah. is one trying to get out the old people. Yeah. A hundred, like whoever loses is almost guaranteed to be like, oh, they lost us that challenge. We need to get rid of them. Yeah. And that actually, I wonder, I always wonder how they pick these challenges, like how far in advance they pick them. Like if they have them scheduled for the whole season, if they have options, like if they're like, okay, you know, our third immunity challenge will be this, this, or this, depending on weather conditions, tribe makeup, whatever, you know, if, if there's one tribe that only has five people at this point we can't do this other challenge that we would do or if even it's like hey we kind of want to get some of the you know some of the older members out of here or some of the less athletic members out of here do the obstacle course yeah i know that they have to have separate teams building these things all the time mm -hmm. because they usually only have three or four areas that they can use for these challenges like in fiji they have their beach area they have their uh, open plains grass area that they use for everything. Uh, <laughs> and there's a couple other areas, but usually they're in rotation so that when one challenge is done, they don't have to build the next one in a single day. They can just move to this other one and give themselves time to build this second, this first place. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it seems incredibly difficult for these older people it's, it's a close race. For most of this challenge, this is one that I'm like, this is legitimately close. Mm -hmm. It didn't have to be. Kentucky Joe fell at least six times in a single stretch. Well, you didn't see Mark Burnett right off the side of that team, like, sticking their leg out in front of, <laughs> uh, in front of Roger. <laughs> That's tripping, 15-yard penalty. <laughs> he could not finish that race. He tried his, his darndest to blow that i mean he wasn't falling because of balance or anything he was just so he was collapsing from exhaustion yeah oh it was it was him not having anything left in the tank same with maryland yeah maryland did better than kentucky joe yes. did but fell at worse times yeah Im immediately there was a, a a struggle to get over a wall and then at the very end where they could have closed it out or could have caught up there was a fall Yep. So, tough luck, and I, I don't, again, this one is set up for the elderly people to lose. It's a shame. Boo! Kucha wins! Side note, when they were uh, talking to, when Jeff was talking to Ogakor, he was standing next to Mitchell. Is Mitchell 17 feet tall? He's very tall. What the hell? <laughs> they grow him tall in South Dakota. I guess so. All that wheat. You gotta be able to see over the wheat. Yeah, uh you got your wheat, you got your corn. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, you got a, you got a sad tribe mood over at Ogakor. Because this is, again, this is a tight group, and they don't yeah. want to send someone home. Everyone feels bad. Uh, Keith won't vote for Marilyn. Uh, Colby says the early favorites are Keith, Marilyn, and Mitchell. Which, yeah, I guess. Because... Um, Keith is aiming for Mitchell and talks to Colby openly about it. Colby and someone else. 
um, maybe it was Amber, I don't know, <laughs> um, <laughs> about going after Mitchell. Um, and also we get really beautiful nature shots in this scene. Yeah. Just really beautiful, like mist off the water while they're like doing like B roll over the uh, B roll of them like doing their camp duties while they're talking strategy. Um, but yeah, those those three were the only people that were on any type of radar. But it's not a particularly close vote. No, it's not. So I'm just gonna skip ahead to it because why not? Uh, Mitchell in this tribal council says the name of the episode. Trust no one. Oh yeah. And ironically, Marilyn says, I I trust with all my heart. <sighs> oh. Rookie mistake. Baby. <laughs> she's also... <laughs> she's wearing a hat that says Mad Dog. Yeah. And I'm half convinced that Jeff forgot her name. Because <laughs> he says it like seven times where he keeps calling her Mad Dog. And I'm like, Jeff, can you just say her name once it's, so I don't have to wonder? It's the, <laughs> it's the novelty of the hat. You have to go with it. I know. But did you notice that she gives away the hat after yeah. she's voted off? To Amber, To I Amber, think. yeah. The only reason, I literally have to do process of deduction with Amber, where I'm like, who don't... Okay, she's giving that to a person I don't know, so therefore it's Amber. I'm, like, I'm sitting here, who would you confuse her with? Nobody, but I'm like, I've, I'm, I see her on screen, and I'm like, you've never talked to the camera once, or been in a group conversation <laughs> on the camera once, you must be Amber. Um, yeah, because now you're female on Ogacore are Jerry, Tina, and Amber. Yep. And that's it. Yep. Very, they're all very distinct. Yes. Um, in this tribal, people are just talking about their alliances. Jeff is, they're, they're not calling them alliances. They're just calling them like relationships. But we get the breakdown. The four of, you know, uh, Jerry says, or it was Jerry or Mitchell talks about the, the four of them, Jerry, Mitchell, Colby, Amber, oh, as like people that. they've gotten close to. Okay. It's, it's subtle. Um, but Jeff is asking about like, you know, you guys are all close, but like, are there, are there like, he doesn't say factions. I don't remember what word he uses, but basically like social groups within sure. or people that you've gotten close to. And one of the four of them lists off the other three. Okay. Um, Interesting. Marilyn talks about Tina as her closest person. Um, and I think that was... It's, I think Keith mentioned someone, but I don't remember who it was. Maybe Colby. No, Keith says, I've, I've, I have relationships with everybody, which means you have relationships with nobody. <laughs> Correct. It means you have no friends. Yes. Sorry, bud. I just thought that was interesting. People kind of openly saying who they're close with, which is usually kind of more guarded information. But what leads me to believe that none of it was true was that immediately Tina goes and turns on Marilyn. So did you? she says when she votes... She says, sorry, I made a promise. Who did she promise to? I don't know. All right. Well, that's she, interesting. Yeah. No, in her, the only, we see her vote for Mad Dog. Uh, and in the camera, <laughs> with, she says, I'm this. so sorry, I made a promise. Yeah, with a frowny face. No idea who she made a promise to. Well, I tell you what. Uh, Vote-wise, it's pretty clear. Keith voted for Mitchell. Marilyn voted for Jerry. And everybody else voted for Marilyn. Who voted for Jerry? Marilyn did. Oh, right. Yeah. So Duh. even though Keith refused to vote for Marilyn, they did not vote together. So I think he knew it was an inevitability and just voted who he wanted to vote. Yeah. Oops. Marilyn gives a super sweet confessional. Like it's, it's one of the cutest I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, she's very 
open and very much thankful for the journey and not bitter toward anyone. Which, you know, I, I talked at the end of season one a lot about people, you know, they should be proud of what they've done. I understand people being bitter, totally. Yes. But you should also take, when you're done, take pride in how difficult it was. It's nice to see her do that. Yeah, and I think uh, Marilyn, more than anyone else, does a really good job of just living in the moment and enjoying, which is why I'm going to immediately go into the where where is she now. Okay, uh, I am sad that she got voted off so early, though. Yes. I think she had potential. I think she also, I also, I agree, she had potential. Uh, but she she was so thankful, and now that she's, once she was gone, she became such a fan, not necessarily of Survivor, but of Australia. Oh. Like, she super loves Australia and super loves all of the the culture, uh, got really into... She plays didgeridoos she brought back as souvenirs. Whoa, so that's like, hard. She, uh, she totally infatuated with didgeridoo music and everything Australia. It, it was super cool. I also want to say this, not because like it's, it's a dig on her, but it's it's something that we should talk about. She struggled with uh, sobriety. Or she's oh. struggled with alcoholism. Okay. She's a person that would probably say that one is too many for me because yeah. it, one leads to more. One is never just one for someone that has Correct. the disease of addiction. Yeah. And uh, struggled with her drinking and hit a low point and banged her head and passed out on the floor. Oof. So like... F- uh, found herself having trouble with simple hand-eye coordination... But essentially using that to be like, okay, I need to fix this. I need to to do better. So like this article that I'm reading says she went like six years with no drinks uh, and then had a a small relapse because of course it's going to happen. Like, but good for her for getting back on it and says she has no compulsion to drink. Good for her. Good for her. Addiction's hard. If you know anyone struggling, um, you know, help them out. Uh, if you if you yourself are struggling, there are support lines, there are support groups. I have family members that have had um, very strong problems with addiction, and you know I kind of I grew up seeing it, and it is a bitch. Yeah, she did also run for sheriff of her county. Okay. The the it very clearly says she ran, so I'm you can infer from that what you want. Uh, and it's then, better than saying she lost for sheriff of her county. Yeah. <laughs> And final quote from her, when I passed through the shadow of the Valley of Death, you know what I did? I hauled ass. It's a good quote. I like her. Yeah. I re- You're not going to see any more of her, but I like I, her. Well, yeah, I kind of, I gathered that. She's, um, she's a really cool character. That's awesome. And I, I, I do wish she got more time. Yeah, I wish she got more time. I, I think it's, I think she got really screwed over by being in Australia, which is funny because she fell in love with Australia. But being it being such a like such a physically demanding environment, mm-hmm. I think really screwed her over in a way that you know she seems like a pretty good mental player. And I I do not like agreeing with Keith. <laughs> I don't like I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But he brings up that like yeah Mitchell's not that much stronger than her, and like I think she could be pretty good at like puzzles. Like it could there could be mental challenges coming up. And I I think that the tribe made the right decision, but at the same time. I kind of agree with... Yeah. Well, eh, I think the right decision probably would have been Tina, but... 
Yeah, I am also happy that, you know, people that get voted off early in the season can also be good. Like, I don't want just, like, I don't want them... It's it's nice this is such a talent-packed cast mm-hmm. that, or, uh, you know, even if they are terrible, they're fun to watch. Um, Tina over Mitchell and uh, Keith? Well, okay. Ideally, it would have been Keith, but I just <laughs> figured Keith was not going home. Okay. Because he's too strong. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad that even the people that get voted off early have been... Except for Deb and Kel now, I don't really think there's like a dud on the show anymore. Um, no, I think... And it... Marianne was not... Uh, Mad Dog was not... Marilyn is her name. Uh, Mad Dog was not a dud. It was not a dud, 100%. I I am looking forward to the reunion show just to hear like some of the things she has to say. Oh, yeah. I did undersell her. 34 years of sobriety. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so she was she was clean when she was on the show then. Yes. Yeah. 34 years of sobriety, and then that thing happened, and she said, now I'm a few weeks sober. So Good for her. Nobody can make you drink. That was all me, and get, it was getting out of hand, but I'm working on it. I think she'd do better on a modern season of Survivor than she did on this season. I agree. Um, Tell me more about that. Well, one that where, where the environment, you know, in Fiji, for example, um, the environment isn't actively trying to kill you, just kind of <laughs> passively letting you suffer. Um, I don't think... And, you know, with challenge, like we talk about challenge, strength, like physical strength, taking more of a back seat, yeah. um, which is a great change because like, you know, you can have physical elements of a challenge, but then still have mental elements as well. So that both are important for the challenges. Right now it's just physical strength. Correct. She's a victim of that. Yeah. And that's why I, do, I don't like that challenge because it, it does. It essentially booted off either her or... Right. Uh, Kentucky Joe. Kentucky Joe. (laughs) But I think in a season with a more forgiving landscape and, you know, modern survivor challenges, I, yeah, I I think she could do quite well. I think, like, I think she has a ceiling of, like, final five and then probably gets voted off because she's too likable. She could have been this season's Rudy. 100%. A better Rudy. (laughs) Rudy would not have survived this season. No. Well, I don't know. Rudy, oh, Rudy barely survived his own season. <laughs> That's true. Rudy's more resilient than he looks, though, physically. But I don't know, man. This is such... <laughs> this is, it is... We're on day seven, and it is already wearing on these people. Yeah. It is a very physically uh, demanding environment. But just a reminder, we're going to see Rudy again. That's true. <laughs> uh, your protagonist. My protagonist of the episode... It's, you know, we're still in that pattern where it's somebody on the tribe that gets voted off because once again, they're getting the most amount of screen time. Really all we see from Kucha this whole episode is Michael being a serial killer uh, and Varner and Alicia strategizing and Kentucky Joe and Elizabeth. But like those are short little vignettes. So the majority of the camera time is on Ogacor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I kind of feel like Colby was the, like it was a lot of Jerry too, but that's, that's becoming the baseline that Jerry has a lot to say in the tribe and Jerry is active in the tribe moving things forward, but Colby's making some moves. Um, and I, I don't think he's in this showmance. Like he's, he's not blinded by the showmance either. He knows what's going on. He likes her, but he knows yeah. what's going on. Blinded by the light. And Oh, we missed a moment where, uh, Keith goes up to when he's talking to Colby and whoever else it was about voting off Mitchell and Keith's like, I trust him not to say anything. And we immediately see Colby tell Mitchell that. So he's buying trust within his tribe. Um, and probably, you know, I don't know if he's the one that secures the vote for Marilyn and the one that Tina promised, but it wouldn't surprise me since he was the one doing the most 
that we see shuffling around the tribe. So yeah, I think he does the, and he's the one who wins them the reward challenge. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Let's end the episode. Bumper. So that'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. Once again, thanks for joining us. Uh, I know we have a, a good chunk of, a small few of you out there who are listening to this pretty consistently. And we're, we're watching numbers, we're getting your emails, we're getting all this information. So thank you. I, I do want to just, I want to thank you so much. This is a cool little project that we're doing. And yes, it's fun regardless, but to have people on the other end and actually enjoying what we're putting out there, it's great. So thank you so much. Thank you for being with us. Keep holding us to high standards. Keep telling us when we're wrong. Keep sending in information that you want us to talk about. It's great. I unironically love being told when I'm wrong, which is a weird thing to say, but like, especially with things that are, that are objective where it's like, oh no, like you got this fact wrong or whatever, because it, that, that's how you learn. You, if you're never wrong, you never learn. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, we love the correction emails. Also like, we don't say it very often, but like, please rate, you know, send it to your friends, send it to your enemies, uh, post about us on your social media. Um, because we want to get more people interested in this. I think it's, you know, I've said before, I think it's kind of a niche thing, but I think that there's people that will really like it if they find it. And we're doing a thing that not like, I I don't know many people that are psychotic enough to go watch Survivor (laughs) from the very beginning and then document every single episode and break it down into small bits because it's fun. And we'd like to keep, we're going to keep doing it regardless, but we'd like more people to watch us in our slow spiral of insanity. Yeah. If, if nothing else, go make people watch survivor for the novelty of watching something in 4x3 in standard definition and not HD. It's going to be a little while before we get to HD. So that's (laughs) fun. So thank you guys so much. For my co-host, Jared, I am your host, Steven. And for my host, Steven, I'm your co-host, Jared. Thank you as always. Uh, Watch out. Watch out for the beef jerky monster. He's coming. (gasps) Bye-bye. Beef jerky monster, no!